Welcome to Head Over Feels, the podcast where we discuss matters of the heart while also using our heads, blending emotional awareness with intellectual relationship skills. We promise raw, real, and sometimes ridiculous advice on love, sex, and relationships. I'm Megan Sundra. And I'm Fernando DV. We're here to tag team you with juicy insights, tantalizing tools, and sometimes embarrassing anecdotes in order to help you have the best love life ever. Do you guys love the advice we give on this podcast? Of course you do. Would you like a more customized, in-depth session to address your unique situation with your hosts? Your favorite hosts. Well, here's your chance to get a free one-hour coaching call with us. Free 99. All you have to do is leave us a rating and review by April 13th on the Apple Podcast app. Five stars, right? Then we'll draw a name from the reviewers and announce the winner in episode six, in which we'll give you instructions to schedule your free coaching call. Good luck. On today's episode, we'll be answering questions about slut shaming, sex farts, and mismatched futures. It's a hot one for you folks today. Oh, yeah. <laughs> hot and steamy. <laughs> Coming at you live. Actually, not really. This is pre-recorded. <laughs> <laughs> So today's uh, spotlight topic we're going to is demands versus requests. Mm, a subtle but very important difference. Yeah. The intentionality, the language uh, makes a huge difference. It really does. I feel like um, making a request instead of a demand of your partner really respects their autonomy more. Um, this is something that I did not pick up on for many years in my relationships uh, to, <laughs> to my detriment and my partner's detriments. Um, but once I did figure it out, I think I was way more conscientious about the way that I spoke about my needs and preferences. Um, and I'm still trying to correct my language into requests. It's a subtle but really important difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think we're afraid of asking for what we want sometimes. Mm. Sometimes it comes off as even as a request, it can feel like we're asking too much. Mm -hmm. We may feel too much. Or maybe we've been wronged in our childhood mm -hmm. with that same kind of dialogue. I think you can look at how your parents talk to you. It tends yeah. to be, <laughs> it tends to be uh, not shitting on you parents, but sometimes it felt like a lot of demands. Or they didn't have the language or tools to make it seem like a request. Like, okay, I'm asking you to clean your room and... It's fine if you don't. Just know there will be consequences. There will mm -hmm. be timeout or whatever at the end. You know, yeah. The it's not common for parents to give requests instead of demands. I think people believe, you know, I, as a parent, I'm entitled to like tell my kid what to do mm. and expect compliance. And like, there's a degree <laughs> of that that's true, you know, for your kid's safety and things like that. But um, there's another situation where I'm glad not to be a parent because I don't have to deal with that subtlety <laughs> with children. But in like romantic relationships, uh, we all want to be respected as equals and treated as if our free will to comply or deny a request that's made of us um, to be respected. So... I think a lot of people grow up with shame around asking for what they want. Like you mentioned, you know, we're like afraid and that there's sometimes guilt in like, oh yeah, am I asking too much? Or perhaps that has been projected back onto us. If you make a totally reasonable request, we may have been treated as like, oh, you're asking too much of me by an external person who doesn't receive mm -hmm. our requests well. Yeah. So I'm going to dive into just a couple of key points made from this article from the Huff Post, it was by uh, "Do You Demand or Do You Request?" by Margaret Paul. In this article, they talk about what a demand is. So, asking for what you want and need in a relationship is important, but it becomes a demand when the other person does not have the right to say no without getting punished in some way by you. Mm. Most people don't like to be controlled, so when they know that there will be negative consequences to saying no, they are likely to say yes and then go into resistance. For example, you might say to your partner, I'm very tired tonight. Would you mind doing the dishes? If your partner responds with, I'm wiped out too, let's leave them and do them tomorrow. And you get upset saying something like, I can never count on you. Then your answer was a, or your question was a demand. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can like stew in that for a moment. Cause that's when I hear the demand piece of like asking and it being, there's a punishment at the end. Right. So it's like you have no, like you said, it's like we're respecting someone's autonomy and demand doesn't give that space. And mm. maybe we we're afraid because we don't know how to delineate that. Mm. And so 
our request may sound like a demand, like we want a certain outcome. We're trying to be open about it, but really we have an attachment to the outcome. Mm-hmm. And so the um, undesired action, if you will, um, causes us to be upset. Right. Or we respond very upset in that manner. Yeah. And I think it's important to be aware if you deny a request that your partner makes of you and they respond with anger or blame or shaming you or making grand statements about your you know, personality, you know, character attacks, things like that, then that's like a signal to you that they're trying to manipulate you probably subconsciously into complying with their request. And it's not even a request. It's more of a demand if that's how they're reacting to you. Um, and if you're on the other side of the coin, be aware of how you react when you get a no from someone when you make a request. Yeah. I think that's a good practice is like learning to receive a no mm. and to give give a healthy request Mm -hmm. by being able to get a no you can you step out of like people pleasing right uh totally guilty of that Mm -hmm. i actually just talked about with my therapist yesterday (laughs) and then you also give the opportunity to the other person to um to like feel safe in the space like Mm -hmm. oh like i can i can decline something and it doesn't come with like this passive aggressive statements or a punishment or something that's almost like makes you regret making saying doing anything in the first place Mm -hmm. and that doesn't feel good if you're in a relationship where you can't say no to things Mm -hmm. that's not really a relationship then no not a healthy one no and you know i had a an issue with a partner about this in the past where he didn't understand the difference between the two and i was requesting something of him and letting him know what the outcome would be on my end if he chose not to comply with my request. Um, and he's like, the outcome is the same, but so you're, you're still demanding of me. Like, what does it matter how you phrase it? It's the outcome is the same. And I was like, no, it does matter how I phrase it because on the one hand, I'm allowing you to make your own choices. If you choose to not comply with my request, that's your free will. You can choose that. Um, And then I, in turn, have my own free will on how I want to react to that declination, to that decline, Mm -hmm. right? So for example, if I say to a partner, um, if you cheat on me, I'll break up with you. That's not respecting their free will quite quite so much. Like, yes, you make an agreement with them to be monogamous or whatever it is. Um, But if you phrase it as, I request that you don't cheat on me, and if you choose to do so with your free will, Um, I just want to let you know that I will no longer feel emotionally safe in this relationship. And I may at that point consider that I should break up with you Mm. in order to protect my own well-being. So the outcome is the same break up if cheating happens. Right. Mm. But the the reason comes more internally um, for like, here's my why rather than a threat like uh, like an ultimatum, a threat. Don't you fucking do it. Right. Don't you do it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah, I really like that um, that approach, because then. Then you get the other person can get present to their actions as mm-hmm. well. They're like, oh, this is whereas one, you're just like, this is it. Like, mm-hmm. do the thing, don't do this or else. Right. This is not a movie, right. you know, where it's like, pay the ransom or else they die. Yeah. You know, it's it's more like, okay, you made the choice, therefore there will be a consequence. Mm-hmm. So I think for parents, um, even growing up, it could have been rather than saying you need to clean, you know, clean your room or else you're gonna get grounded. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Um, I'm making a request that you clean your room. If you don't clean your room, that's totally fine. And as a result, like this is what there will be some sort of result of that action. It's right. hard to know where we would be, you know, from being a, in my mind right now as an adult versus when I was a child. Like, mm-hmm. had I been given those options, would I have reacted differently? Right. Would I have still not clean my room right. <laughs> Maybe. out of spite? <laughs> like, right. <laughs> But, but then you'd have a lesson to learn about what, like, why you may want to clean your room for your own reasons yeah. and then done it of your own free will rather than under duress, yes. under a threat from someone else. Yeah. And it's like, you don't want to be making your decisions based on threats. Right. Or by anything that kind of you feel forced into it. Right. So I think that could, over time, if you were constantly getting grounded, you're like, okay, like, I will clean my room because I don't want to get grounded. And I, and a parent could say, well, do you realize why we're doing this? Mm. And then it's a, a dialogue. And then it's a, this is a, almost like a gentle way. I don't know what grounding looks like anymore. So, but (laughs) this is a gentle way for someone to say, um, to start 
kind of piecing together like, okay, I made this action Mm -hmm. and this is the result of that. And then eventually it starts uh, coming together and you say, okay, I don't want that result anymore. And I would do something different because I want to do that thing out of my own volition and choice rather than out of like fearfulness or fear, lack of acceptance Mm -hmm. or anything else of that sort. And I think there's a lot more power, like you were saying, just that respecting autonomy there's a lot more power in an individual saying, like, I made that choice. Mm-hmm. You can't force someone to make a choice for something. The, there's the saying about with bringing a horse to drink water. You can't force yeah. a horse to drink water. <laughs> you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. That's it right there. I need that tattooed <laughs> on my forehead. <laughs> Constantly dragging horses to water in life until I learned better boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to do the words? Or are you going to do, like, the horse and then drinking water? And then one not drinking water. Uh. Just trying to think. Well, I'm trying to imagine the tattoo here. So. Right. Just, just be an image of a horse near water. <laughs> yeah. People are like, what the hell is that tattoo? Just get it like on your neck or something. Right. So. It's my cross to bear in life. Don't ask. Yeah. Honestly, making requests, I think, is a great way to um, acknowledge the reality that we can't control other people. Um, threats and manipulations and ultimatums are a quick and dirty way to get what you want, right? (laughs) Um, like if, you know, the government puts a gun to your head and tells you to do something, they're probably going to get their way, right? (laughs) Uh, But is that, um, is that a respectful relationship? Is that the kind of partnership you want in your romantic life? Like, no, you want to see each other as equals who have the right to accept or decline based on, you know, whatever reasons you have. Mm. Um, so acknowledging like, Hey, I can't make anyone do anything. I can only tell them what I will do when other people behave in X, Y, Z ways. Yeah. On that note, we're going to, I'm going to jump into a section about requests to get a little more detail on it. Uh, so requests in the example of, of we gave earlier about uh, the dishwashing, if you responded by saying, okay, then the very same question was a request. Okay. To saying, I'm tired. Can you do dishes? Mm. Sometimes it's hard to tell the difference between a request and a demand until you or the other person says no, mm. then you see what happens. So true. Let's say you had responded by saying, well, okay, but you know, it's really hard for me to leave the kitchen a mess at night. How about you keep me company and we do it together? Your partner might say, sure, but what happens if the response is, no, I don't have the time. I have some things I need to get done tonight before I can go to sleep. Once again, you are faced with either accepting your help or your helplessness over your partner who did not respond positively to your request or getting upset, in which case it again turns into a demand. Mm. It's an important exercise to sit with that discomfort. Like if I make a request to my partner and he declines and let's say I'm upset just for a hot second, I'm just like, Oh, I really want him to do the thing I requested. And I'm frustrated. There's an urge. I think it's uh, from my inner child who wants to lash out and demand what they Mm -hmm. want, you know, like a toddler. No, I want this. I want my needs met. Mm -hmm. Right. But sitting with that discomfort for just like a few seconds longer really helps me remain mindful and squeeze out an, uh, comp- a compassionate response, even if I don't wholeheartedly feel chill about it. If I'm just I'm like, okay, babe, no worries. Um, we can work on that tomorrow or whatever the topic mm-hmm. is in the moment. It's great to just say that because in the moment afterwards, you realize like, oh, that diffused all the tension. We just resolved that. I, I, and I don't feel upset anymore about it. Yeah. It's great. So like, even if it doesn't feel natural to you right away, just go through those motions knowing that you're working towards the better behavior and the greater good. Mm -hmm. This is a great place to exercise negotiation, Mm. negotiation as well. Yeah. Um, It doesn't have to, you could find a place to meet in the middle. Like, you know, I really like the example of, would you keep me company? Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, that's cute. Like that's, that's so nice. So that's inviting, inviting the person. So if you don't want to do the dishes because you're like, I'm just tired, maybe just sitting in the kitchen and conversing. That could be really nice bonding time together, or just, um, or the the other options like, you know, I'm not, ti- I'm not really feeling it, but I'm happy to do it with you in the morning or something like that. Yeah. And that way, again, respecting autonomy, um, and just because you're getting requests doesn't mean you have to like say. It, it doesn't have to be a hard yes or no. It, mm-hmm. There's a there is a gray area. There's a, a bunch of um, other ways that you can go about exploring possibilities to, with each other. 
let it be a dialogue. It doesn't have to be a fight. Absolutely. So one more thing on topic of demands requests is, is resistance. Um, when we re- go into resistance, sometimes we lose our caring. <laughs> we stop caring. Yes. Yeah. And it's important to note that resistance uh, can be in a response towards you if you're either trying to control the person mm. or control the outcome, which sometimes we are. Mm-hmm. We just got to like be with that. Yep. <laughs> uh, or it has absolutely nothing to do with you. And that's very important. Uh, and like, Maggie, you touched on that earlier, like acting like a child. Like I think a lot of this comes from or can come from our own childhood, our own mm-hmm. upbringing. Because maybe when we were, like I was mentioning earlier, getting requests for more stuff. It felt like demands from my parents, mm-hmm. but it didn't seem like that they knew how to ask it in a way that I had any options. Yeah. And I, I could, I'd imagine that I had a lot of resistance around that mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't have a say. It was like, I got to do the thing I don't want to be doing. I didn't know how to negotiate. It didn't feel like I had space to negotiate either. Right, and I think right. that's another thing with demands is that it's pretty hard line to cross. Right. And negotiating almost feels like you're poking the bear. Yeah. But the resistance part, I think it's good to note that and maybe you can ask to, for clarification, does this resistance have to do with me? Like, is there something I did? Like, I noticed that your response is a certain way, and that's fine that you're responding this way. Mm. I'm just curious if there's something more there. Is there, is there a trigger that we, like, or something that we started getting activated in the response? Mm. And I think that's a great place for us to look at. So then you can talk about that with your partner and, under, and get a deeper under, level understanding as to what was activating or what triggered you and uh, maybe even a point for you to step away from the conversation if you two are getting heated in the moment Mm -hmm. we all like to feel that we have a say in our actions and our decisions so knowing that your partner is leaving space open for you to say yes or no or no but and then offer an alternative is like such a freeing thing Mm -hmm. i feel so respected when people do that i'm like awesome thank you for like being attuned to where i'm at with this yeah. It feels great. Yeah. All right. On to our questions. Yeah. Our first letter. Hey, I'm a 21 year old girl and I've been dating this guy. He's 23 for four months. He's so funny and cute and we spend a ton of time together. Everything is usually great, except sometimes I get uncomfortable when he brings up my quote unquote number. At first, it was little jokes or comments like, wow, you sure know what you're doing or you must have had a lot of experience. but then he started calling me slut sometimes when we're having sex I don't think I like that recently he asked me a couple times how many people I've slept with but didn't ask point blank kind of tried to convince me to tell him he says there shouldn't be secrets between us and that he deserves to know what kind of girl he's with oh my god I'm getting so triggered (laughs) and I agree but I'm wondering do I have to tell him I'm not ashamed of my past, but I've definitely been with a few guys before him, and I'm afraid he'd be upset to find out. I might have been willing to tell him earlier on, but now I feel pressured, and it's not a joke anymore. It's like he's accusing me of something without me even doing anything. Am I being a bitch? Sincerely, Hannah. Hannah, you're not being a bitch. No. (laughs) (laughs) going to get that one out of Uh the way. (laughs) So you also do not need to tell him your number. Nope. You heard a lot of scoffs in that one. I guess they were just like, <laughs> I'm trying to hold myself back here. <laughs> Your boyfriend, nor does anyone deserve anything from you. Right. Got that language, especially if he's saying that, I feel is a bit problematic. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it comes with a bit of entitlement. You have a right to share what you are comfortable with or not comfortable with or don't want to share with anyone. Mm-hmm. And the kind of girl you are is one who has autonomy. T- uh, to do with yourself and your body, with whatever you want, with whoever you want. Yes. And no one is entitled to that information or has a say on that except you. Right. It's nobody's business but your own. Yeah. You can take that number to the grave with you. You don't owe it to anybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's nothing wrong with the level of like disparagement in, in experience. Mm. And sometimes it's nice to like be with someone you're matching in experience. Mm. So I don't know why he's like being so slut shamey. Yeah. Because that's like, these are things to celebrate. We're like, awesome, we're on the same page and we can have a flow with each other. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say that's wrong to have like a person who's less experienced, but it is nice to have to be on the same page, you know, in certain ways mm. with people, especially physically. 
Yeah, he should be grateful that you're doing a great job in bed. (laughs) Why is he shaming you? (laughs) God. Honestly, it doesn't matter how many partners anyone has slept with. As long as they've been safe, sane, and consensual, they're not using anybody, they're not leading anybody on, they're not damaging hearts like a bull in a china shop just running around, Mm. crashing into everything. And as long as nobody's like self-medicating other problems, you know, like, you know, getting a sex addiction because you can't face Mm -hmm. some other issue in your life. But Yeah. yeah, it really, it doesn't matter as long as... Um, it's what's right for you and the people you who have consented to be with you, right? Yeah, slut it up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> life is short, truly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we live in a time where we have the freedom to do these things with less judgment than any past time in human history. And I think it's something that's hard to disentangle internally from all the um, conditioning that we've been taught mm. growing up in a you know sex-repressive culture. But it's worth doing the work to feel okay about yourself. And it sounds like you feel okay, but he's got a problem with maybe some assumptions he has about what it means to have more partners. I was just telling him that his remarks and insistence to know your number mm-hmm. is very uncomfortable for you. And it comes off as very slut shamey. And it doesn't contribute to you feeling respected in that space. Mm-hmm. And I think it's worth also even asking him like why this is relevant to him. Because the only people in that relationship and that who matter is just the two of you. Yes. And not any of your par- past partners. He's not an ex yet. So <laughs> right? uh, if he keeps this shit up, then he might as well be. Oh, for sure. <laughs> I, he probably has some subconscious bias and judgment. Um, and maybe he has some double standards between his expectations mm. for what's acceptable between men or women and how many partners they're quote unquote allowed to have or quote unquote <sighs> should have in his mind. It's so subjective. Everyone's got a different threshold for what they think is a slutty number. And that just shows that it's all meaningless. It's all totally relative. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the quality of person has zero percent to do with the number of people you've been with. Yeah. There's no moral judgments on whether you're a good person or not. Because like, I'm sure we can all think of examples of people who have had tons of partners and they're a very kind, loving, compassionate person who does a lot of great things in the world. And people who have had very few partners and are complete horrible assholes Mm -hmm. and who act very immorally so it's certainly not correlated with how good of a person you are how ethical you are um i think your boyfriend has probably not examined some of his unconscious biases around this and while it's not your job to like hold his hand through that process um he's gonna need to at some point in his life take a look at what this all means and his tendency to judge people for how much of a slut they've been because otherwise he's going to like not have a happy sex life and be like shaming every partner he comes across who has had more than X number of partners. Like he's not only being terrible to them, but shooting himself in the foot by right. just being like resigned to never being satisfied. Or like, how mm. are you going to find the one girl out there who has the right number? You know, like judge people for how good of a partner they are with you in your relationship, how good of a match you are. Yeah. All the other factors that actually mean something. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. Ask him his number. And like, yeah, like, for real. Maybe like, he's insecure himself. He's like, mm, maybe he feels an experience in all this. That's possible. Um, I mean, think about it until we were talking about it yeah, now. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I think he just gotta sh- he's got to shut that shit down, mm-hmm. <laughs> first off. Also, it's not very sexy to be in that conversation either. No. Like, Just let it enjoy the moment. Enjoy your connection with each other because unless he wants to enjoy your legacy of exes or whatever, <laughs> I don't know, um, he should just be able to like be present with the relationship that you two have with each other mm-hmm. and enjoy that. Yeah. I mean, it's possible to eroticize somebody else's sluttiness or your own sluttiness. Like maybe at some point in your life, you may find that you like being called slut or you find Mm -hmm. a boyfriend who loves hearing about all the juicy, tantalizing stories you've experienced in your past. And that's great. And that's hot. But that's also like varsity level sharing, (laughs) like (laughs) emotional um, intelligence is required for that a lot. Um, So, you know what, if he keeps badgering you about this if you choose to tell him your number and he shames you dump that asshole yeah don't stick around for that kind of slut shaming there are tons of people in the world who will accept you for who you are and what you've done and not judge you yeah i can't even think of a time where that has come up in a conversation I, have you has that ever come up for you oh people have asked me my really for sure Gosh. not many of them um one was like at the end of a one night stand he just sort of turned to me and asked me how many people i'd been with and there was like a tone to how he said it not quite a shaming tone but i was just like 
why are you asking me? Like, that's not fucking relevant, you know? But in the moment I felt really caught off guard and I just told him and he didn't react negatively, but it made me wonder, like, was I bad in bed? And that's why he's like, wow, like you must've only had two partners. You know, (laughs) I hope that wasn't the case. This was a long time ago. Um, but yeah, it's always awkward and weird and I've never liked how it felt. I remember asking a boyfriend when I was like 20, how many he had, cause he was like much older than me Mm -hmm. and I could tell he was much more experienced and it made me feel insecure cause I was very inexperienced Mm. at the time. Um, and he, when I asked him, he turned right around at me and asked, why do you ask that question? Like, what does it matter? What if I told you this number? Mm. What if I told you that number? Why do you feel differently about those numbers? And I was just like, oh, uh, (laughs) Ah, that's a really good response. It flipped a switch for me for sure. Yeah. But that's like such a great response Mm -hmm. too. Cause it wasn't like, well. It, there was no passive aggressiveness or anything. I was like, no. mm, why does it matter? Yeah, he, let it be a dialogue. And you're like, oh, shit. Let's question my own you know, conditioning on that. Right, because he was totally self-accepting about his number, but he could tell that I wasn't going to be accepting about it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Great learning experiences for us. Totally. So wherever you're at in the spectrum of it, like ask the important questions, and that's not one of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck, Hannah. Don't put up with bullshit. Do whatever you want in life. You have the right. I was going to be like, don't put up with him, but uh, <laughs> don't put the bullshit. His particular yeah. bullshit here. <laughs> Everyone's uh, partners. It's like, I feel like they're going to hate on this podcast because <laughs> we're just like dog. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's our opinions. You, you're welcome to disagree. It's true. We're right. So. <laughs> I mean, right. Yeah, you can disagree, but we're still right. All we ask of you on this podcast is like, you can t- you can take it or leave it. But we request that you at least try it on, you know, like take into consideration what we're saying, Mm -hmm. chew on it a little bit, see if it feels right for you. Maybe learn something. Maybe not. That's okay. Yeah. And we are, we can be cold and callous towards (laughs) your uh, partner that may not be acting so much in line. And that's because we're thinking your best interest. (laughs) Yep. We're like the friend who's going to tell you the shit that you may not be ready to hear. Mm -hmm. And we're just going to tell it to you. Absolutely. Um, It's out of love. It it is out of love. (laughs) Hopefully consensually as well. But um, Mm -hmm. yeah. Thanks again, Hannah. All right. This next one. This is a bit of an embarrassing situation and I'm clueless as to how to deal with it. My girlfriend and I, both of us are 32 years old, have been dating for about nine months now and things are going so well. She is a supportive and awesome girlfriend, and we have great sexual chemistry. What is the problem then? Farts. <laughs> I have a tendency to fart while my girlfriend goes down on me and while we have sex. It is so embarrassing. Sometimes I try to hold it in, but I get super uncomfortable doing that for so long, so one kind of slips out here and there. I notice that sometimes my girlfriend doesn't say anything, or she plugs her nose and it kind of throws off the flow of things. Mm. She seems to be patient with me at times, and other times she feels seems really annoyed. And I worry that this bodily thing is affecting our time together. What the hell is a girl to do, Cassie? Oh, Cassie, it sounds like you're being a little shamed for a totally natural bodily function. So, I mean, like, it's totally normal when you're aroused. Some people have tension increase in some muscles and relax in other muscles. Um, And sometimes it's really nice to lay back and enjoy the pleasure and maybe your butthole relaxes a little and lets out a fart. That is a common and natural thing. And I'm sorry if you're feeling embarrassed about it. It's certainly not in the like movie scene, you know, expectations we have of sex to be like perfect and that our bodies don't make any weird noises or any (laughs) weird smells or any weird sounds like, no, they do. It's normal. <laughs> yeah. Actually, when you think of movies, it's usually silent. <laughs> right. You don't hear the, the clapping. <laughs> oh, totally. It's just like intense music yeah. and soft lighting. and. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember that. T- I can't think of a time where there's been like a sex scene where there's like implied fart or anything <laughs> or anything like that, which is unrealistic. Yeah. And Cassie, I'm going to tell you, you're not alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've done this. I'm just going to throw <laughs> I've definitely been that person who's farted. Uh, <laughs> during sex uh, I tend to have a pretty lightheartedness about it and so I'll just be silly about it make a joke or just make a face maybe just kind of like um, wince at my partner give him like you know bad eye or like what do you call it when you just like blink your eyes oh really yeah fast. like blink your eyes yeah. at someone yeah I try to be really endearing yeah. I'm like <laughs> I just farted right. yeah. um, 
Or I just try to move us in a different direction so the smell isn't affecting the space. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. Yeah. I think uh, something you could do is asking your partner directly about it. Just like, how does your partner feel? Mm-hmm. What? How would she like to navigate that? And are there things that you can do or she can do or both of you can do to do together to work through this? Because it doesn't have to be the end of the sex time or it doesn't have to make it so awkward and weird. No. It's like our bodies, I think we mentioned before, are just... We make strange sounds. Uh, there's strange smells. Right. And some of those can be monitored, like, maybe by diet. That's right. also another thing to consider. Great point. I've noticed that if I eat uh, high amounts of gluten or, like, some vegan meats, uh, those make me really gassy. So maybe it's good to know what you're eating and putting mm. your body because that can contribute to maybe you being more gassy or less gassy. Right. Like don't have a big bowl of chili a few hours before your date, you know, <laughs> if you yeah. know there's a certain thing that's going <laughs> to set you off. <laughs> I think it's so important to have a sense of humor about these things. Like yeah. let's not be so serious during sex. It'll allow you to jump back into the mood, like pick up where you left off a second before. And I don't think we should put the mood like a perfect, sexy, serious mood on a pedestal. Like it no. needs to be perfect and cinematic and uninterrupted and anything less than that. It's a failure. Oh, like it quote unquote ruined the mood. Mm-hmm. Like that's a great way to like throw a wrench in the machine by just even saying that, let alone having that mindset. Mm-hmm. Right. This prevents you from adapting and going with the flow. If you have a mindset of perfection and that anything less than it is unacceptable because if something happens like a fart or someone falls off the bed (laughs) or you have like snot dangling out of your nose because you just exhaled really fast or whatever like you got to be able to roll with it we're all just like slightly evolved monkeys (laughs) right like doing (laughs) our best and just probably looking really weird in the process and if you like have that acknowledgement and humility in the moment then like get right back to it. Like remember why you're doing this. Don't let one little fire like ruin your whole experience. Yeah. Yeah. I've like fallen out of the shower, almost oh. like cracked my skull oh. on the ground. Um, <laughs> and all I could do is laugh. Uh, you gotta. Yeah. My partner's like, are you okay? It's like, I'm so weird. I'm like laughing. I'm like, and I was like, it's weird. Like I was, I was terrified. Cause like, I didn't realize this. I was going right. to slip. And it was funny. Cause like, I can't, <laughs> While we're having sex, this classic is comedy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think they, I wish mu- movies would portray more uh, reality when it comes to sex. Mm-hmm. Cause yeah, you're right. There's, there is this notion that it has to be the lighting, the, yeah. the ambiance. There's so much um, significance attached mm-hmm. to it. And it makes it um, so sterile in a right. way. You know, yeah, you can have those moments where it just feels really romantic and you mm-hmm. feel really connected and intense. Yeah, but it's not always going to be this picture, you know, picture moment. Right. Um, like everything happens organically, perfectly. Like you're the same level of turned on at the same time and you're both in the mood for the same activities and that you climax at the same time. Like yeah. it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. You know? That shouldn't be idealized. It's great if it happens. If you enjoy it, that's nice. But also like leave wide room for all the other unexpected things that are going to happen. I would recommend when you talk to your partner, um, Cassie, you'd say something like, babe, let's laugh it off. Um, I know it kind of takes us out of the moment, uh, but I want to relax and let go and enjoy the sensations and just not worry that a fart is going to ruin the moment. But I can't help but farting. Um, I can't, <laughs> holding it in is probably uncomfortable and takes you out of the moment, right? Yeah. So you got to let your partner know that you don't want her to suffer if her face is like deep in your pussy and you let out a fart because you're just having such a good time. Like how can we mitigate the discomfort of that for her and for you? Um, I would recommend putting on a fan before you start getting it on. Perfect. Right. Like a box fan and just move the air in the room in general. Just keep it circulating a little desk fan on the side of your bed, Mm -hmm. light some candles or some incense kind of cover up any smells that Mm -hmm. happen. Yeah, that might be a good place to start. That's a great, yeah, that's great. That's such a simple solution too. <laughs> I sometimes I what I like to do is make it. Um, if you're into the kink thing and like to play the, the punishment, oh. ooh, then I like to do things like that. So when fun um, a partner does something like that, I might just like all right, turn around, and then they get spanked ooh, or something. Yeah. So it's like Naughty. a very yeah, it's like <laughs> you fart into my face. How dare you? And then, dirty girl. <laughs> But that could be fun. You can like weave it into your story that's going on. Yeah. 
I, if you've ever, uh, there's a show that I'm going to recommend for people to watch. It's called Sex Education. Um, it's essentially about a kid, and I think it's like all these kids are in high school, who ends up being a sexual advice giver. And mm. his mother's also a sex, a sex therapist. Mm-hmm. And I love how they portray sex in that show. It's so freaking relatable. Ooh. And it, I love how they approach all these different strange sexual dynamics and things that could be really funny. Like there's one character who's like super popular and he kind of is an asshole to everyone. He goes to the one kid who's giving sexual advice. He's like, I don't know how to douche. And he's like, I need to know how to douche. And he's like, all right, let me find out. And so he find, uh, he goes to find out how to douche and teach it to you know, this combination of learning and also relatability of how like, yeah, growing up, sex was so awkward. Right. And I think we forget that even as adults that we came a long way mm-hmm. <laughs> and that our um, sexual experiences when we were younger and teens were not super glorious. Right? Maybe we glor- over glorify them, but when we look back like, whoa, I didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. We're just like, we thought we, we thought we knew what our body parts did. And right. we thought that intercourse is the only way to get off. You know, like there's mm. our minds were just so closed off to like what actually sex could be and what it really is. Yeah. It was just like, Oh, this feels good. Let's just do this thing. Right. And keep doing this thing. Yeah. yeah. I think it's an act of graciousness towards your partner. If you don't overreact, if something silly happens like a fart, you know, yeah. like it's a way to be kind to them, to not like shame them and uh, make a big deal out of it. I mean, if, if you get farted in the face, it, it is overwhelming in the moment and probably <laughs> gross, but I think you can mitigate it pretty quickly. Changing positions, like you mentioned, or even like blowing at it, just mm. like, like real quick, but not make yeah. like a grossed out face, but just like yeah, move the air out of the way, go back to what you're doing, try slap not to breathe the, through yeah. your nose for the next 10 seconds, you know? <laughs> yeah. Slap in the inside of the thighs, like whatever, yeah. <laughs> whatever works. You can both come up with a creative solution. So that way it's just... It's just a thing that happens. Yeah, it doesn't have to stop the flow. There's a million other sexy things you can continue to do in the moment. Yeah. Easily. Exactly. All right. Good luck with that, Cassie. Yeah, you've got this, Cassie. Fart away. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And our last letter today. I'm a 25-year-old male and struggling to figure out how the future of my relationship will go with my girlfriend, who is 27 years old. Help. I've been dating V, quote-unquote, For just over a year, and we rented a place together last month, and things are going great. Lately, V has been telling me that she is wanting to have kids in the next few years and makes little comments here and there about how I would make a great father and would be a quote-unquote cute dad. I've told her that I never want kids and feel good about that, and she seems to take it well, but I worry that it's a bigger issue. I don't want her to feel resentment over being denied motherhood by staying with me, Am I silly to worry about this now? Should we just wait and see? She says she'd rather be childless with me than a mother with someone else, but I can't help but feel like this will be an issue eventually. Marcus. Marcus. Thank you for writing, Marcus. I think that's so great and sweet that you're being considerate of your partner, especially this early on. Yeah. And that you'd have very diverging paths Mm -hmm. when it comes to... Uh, having kids or not having kids right I mean you're a year in and it's good that you're being aware of these things sooner than later because mm-hmm. um, that's a harder band-aid to rip off once you've become way more attached down the road yeah I don't know that you're gonna like this advice mm-hmm. but I think this is kind of a hard conversation to have anyway because right. this is pretty radical life change one thing you could do and this is just a suggestion so take it as you will mm-hmm. or adjust accordingly mm-hmm. um, just consider having the conversation and really getting an idea of where she's at with wanting kids is this like in the next three to five years mm. is it less than that is it like is she on the short train to you know being parents yeah. yeah if she's on the short train then you should too should talk about these po- what other possibilities are there if this is like a relationship you want to continue mm-hmm. but uh, it may also look like that if she's on the short train and you're you're definitely no, and that's pretty consistent so far and will be consistent even with the relationship going well. It may be best for you to, to depart ways right? Um, so that she can get the relationship and what she wants and she can you know, explore motherhood and then you also explore not being a parent. And I think that's not an easy thing to chew on, but it's also that's reality. Right. And I think she may say that she's okay with it now and you know, you're both clear on these parts 
but that could also change too. Mm-hmm. Like there may be a few years in and that may, that desire may be growing really intensely and that could cause a lot more like rifting in your relationship because you're not there. And right. that's something, and for some people that's really important for them to like have that experience. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I can relate to you cause I do not want children myself. Same. Um, and I've dated people who want to have children and it's like, and so it's, it's, I think a lot of heartfelt conversation to be like, cool, I want to know what this looks like because I want to figure out this is something that should we keep going down this path because we, this relationship really works well and is great in all these ways. And I don't want, I don't want to be hurting you or right. holding you back. So there is an act of love by letting someone you love go. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so hard. And I think you guys got to get really clear independently what you want in your future. Like dig really deep, be honest with yourself. Because it's really sweet that she's saying, I'd rather be motherless with you uh, or childless or whatever um, than to be a mother with someone else. Mm -hmm. That's really sweet. But how much does she really mean that? Is she just sort of accepting where it's at right now, but maybe she won't feel that great about it later? Um, This definitely happened to me. I've been clear for many, many years that I don't ever want to have kids. Um, And I was dating a guy a few years ago who was uncertain when we first started dating whether he wanted kids or not. But after a couple of years, he decided he was pretty damn sure that he wanted kids. And it was so hard to end it. Um, It was more his decision than mine. I acknowledge that we weren't a long term match because how do you make that work if one person really Mm. wants them? I was like, oh, but we could date for a few more years. But he was like, I got to go find like my future partner now like and mm-hmm. I didn't want to hold him back from that I'm like that's your dream that's what's going to make you happy I did have to let go and it was so hard yeah and you have to do what's best for the relationship you know totally and I also I don't want to discount your partner um with her response either it's not like we're saying she's outright lying or anything right. like that she's not necessarily not self-aware here yeah but it's just we, we wanted to consider all the possibilities in that maybe in this moment it's easy to say that but maybe a couple of years that that answer can change and that could be just an ongoing check-in if that's if this relationship is something that you both want to keep working on mm-hmm. check in every six months every year that's a great idea and that way it's like an ongoing conversation because mm-hmm. there could be a point where two and a half years in she's like i need to do this yeah and then it's like definitely be hard to like to part ways mm-hmm. but then you can both like just celebrate the relationship that you had and just you can still have a connection with each other and know that it's not in, from ill feelings or hard feelings it's right. just, this is the nature of love we fall in love with people who are either unavailable mm-hmm. or have very diverging life paths from us mm. and that shit is fucking heart-wrenching i can only i, I can't I can't imagine because I've been there. It fucking sucks. It does. <laughs> uh, and you know, you guys have been together for a year. It's great that you're talking about this topic because kids are definitely a make or break factor to a lot of people. I find that most people I've met have been super gung-ho one way or the other. I definitely want kids or I definitely don't want kids. And this becomes more clear as you get older. I think some people in their like early 20s might consider like, oh, I'm open to it. Maybe if I re- meet the right person or... You know, I'll see how I feel in five years and that's fine. Um, But ambivalence, if that's what you're either of you are feeling or any of you other listeners are feeling, um, ask yourself to what degree am I open to it? You know, Mm. is my openness like, yeah, I could be happy either way. Great. Just be aware of it. Is your openness like, ah, there's a sliver of a chance, but it's unlikely. Just be aware of that and be really clear Mm -hmm. about that, too. Um. It's possible that if she's not in a rush to have kids, but definitely wants them, you guys could date for another year or two easily if it's a really healthy, supportive, positive dynamic you've got. There's a lot of value to still be had here. There's a lot of meaningfulness, a lot of good times, a lot of loving support and growth that you can provide, even if you know eventually your paths will diverge. But if you're very certain, it is up to you guys when you want those paths to diverge. Now or later, it's a tough call. Oh, it is. There's no easy answer. Mm-hmm. We don't have it. That's something for you to decide. Yeah. And you're not a horrible person if you decide that this is, uh, or neither of you are horrible people for deciding whatever decision you make. Right. And I think, like to Megan's point, um, yeah, just consider what the long term, what's the long game here. Mm-hmm. She's like, maybe five years plus. Maybe it's like a ways out. Right. Maybe she's like not until like mid mid thirties. Great. 
then you can talk about what that looks like, you know, going mm-hmm. forward. Mm-hmm. It's a team effort, and it, everyone has a say about how this can look. Right. Uh, there could also be other possibilities that maybe we're not mentioning. Like there could be adoption. Maybe you don't want to go through the birthing process. Maybe you're open to adoption. Mm. Or if it's kind of a tingle of a maybe, go uh, work it out with a therapist to see like is are there any holdups. Right. But make sure it's an authentic like decision from yourself right make sure you're doing this for you mm-hmm. and you're not doing it for someone else because that's kind of a big thing to like do for someone else yeah when you're not like a hundred percent fuck yes yeah for that. and you don't want to eventually like you don't want to resent your own eventual children if you didn't want to have kids and you just did it for your partner like don't do that obviously but you know some people do if they are afraid of losing their partner and they're not really being authentic to their own internal preferences and desires you can get yourself into a sticky situation with that. Yeah. I know some people who've told me over the years and I maybe this influences my decision mm. they're like don't have kids. Oh. <laughs> and and I sometimes it comes as a joke from their perspective but they're fucking serious when <laughs> they say that. <laughs> like don't have children and I was like but then I can see there's something about the way they said it. I'm like, that hmm. feels awkward hearing that, that from you. That's weird, yeah. Um, They're not happy with their decision or something. Yeah, but also uh, sometimes you make those decisions when you're really young, mm-hmm. and it could be it could be religious-inspired. It could be inspired from um, your parents. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of parents really um, want to have grandchildren. Mm-hmm. There's a lot so, of pressure there yeah, from society as well. Yeah, so there's all these external uh, pr- pressures, and I can understand if you give into it, you're not a horrible person. It's just this is life's hard, and mm-hmm. we already have enough shit to deal with. So, just try to parse through. If you're unsure, take time to parse through that, so you can be absolutely clear without a shadow of a doubt. Mm-hmm. And if you're feeling you're really enmeshed with the partner, you're like, "Well, I could, but I don't really want this." Take steps back and really work on that. Yeah. Um, and that gets su- super crystal clear mm-hmm. on yourself. Like Megan said, you don't want to have resentment towards your kids or your partner. Or each other, yeah. yeah. Just requires a lot of self-awareness here. You guys have some communicating to do about it, but we wish you the best of luck. Yeah. Good luck, Marcus. You got this. That brings us to the toolbox section of our episode. Today's toolbox is a book. It's called The Five Love Languages, The Secret to Love That Lasts by Gary Chapman. Um, So I read this book earlier this past summer, um, and I liked it a lot. I think I like the concept it teaches more than I liked the book itself, (laughs) (laughs) but it's not bad. I think it's broadly um, relatable to most people. So I think you can come to this book at any point in your self-awareness journey and learn something. But this is an incredibly useful lens through which to see yourself and your partner and the ways that you want to give and receive love. Yes. Yes. And so we're going to touch on what are the love languages. The first, um, or one of the love languages, Mm -hmm. is words of affirmation. If this is your love language, you feel most cared for when your partner is open and expressive in telling you how much or how wonderful they think you are and how much they appreciate you, et cetera. Mm. Another is acts of service. So if your partner offering to watch the kids so you can go to the gym or relieving you of some other task gets your heart going. This is your love language. Mm, like doing the dishes for doing you. Dishes. That's like this changing is, the oil in your car. Yeah. Just oh. doing things for you. I yeah. am. A, this is the one I like to do a lot. Like mm. I cleaned it. I love cleaning and cleaning dishes. I'm one of those fucking freaks. That do that. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it brings me great joy to be able to help to like offer help mm. with others. Mm-hmm. Another next one is affection. It's like physical affection. My favorite. So, yeah, it's one of my favorites as well. Pet me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so exactly what do you think is petting, physical touch, kissing, cuddling, sexual intimacy, yeah, hugs, cuddling, totally. all the good stuff, yeah. all the good yummy stuff, mm-hmm. what fuels life. <laughs> <laughs> the next is quality time. So it's, the, it's time spent together. Uh, Intentional being, time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Not like... You just happen to be in the same room. Yeah, I'm talking. It's like we're spending time together. We're engaged. We're fully present. Mm. We're doing things. No matter how trivial like it can be, it's still like we're spending, we're choosing to be here with each other. Yeah, yeah. And the last one is gift giving. So just giving a gift for someone uh, to make them feel appreciated. Mm-hmm. Big or small. Yeah. Gifts can be little handmade items or, oh, I just saw this and thought of you. I was at the farmer's market or whatever. They don't have to be like your big romantic gestures of like diamonds or roses yeah. or anything cliche yeah. necessarily. It can be little things for sure. 
I didn't think about this until we talked about it earlier. It seems like there's a difference with the love languages that we like to give mm. and the ones we like to receive. Mm. And I realized that I enjoy receiving gifts, but I don't give gifts a lot. Interesting. I like acts of service for others, but I don't like receiving it as much. It is nice. I'm like, cool, if someone does something for me, it's nice, but... Um, physical touch is like what I love to receive the most and words of affirmation mm. and quality time. Those three are like, it feels like one just jumbled mess. And yeah. if people are willing to spend time with me and they're willing to be um, and share sweet words, what they think of me, what they're thinking of me and the physical touch in all the various forms, like that's yeah. like what rejuvenates me. Ugh. I actually really do enjoy when people re- give me gifts as well. Those other ones take take higher priority. Acts mm-hmm. of service, it's nice. I guess maybe I just don't know because I don't get <laughs> I'm so used. To, I enjoy delivering like acts of service. So cleaning is a big one that I like to do for partners mm-hmm. or just doing things to help other people out in various ways. Yeah. I also enjoy like intentional times of way I like to show love, affection, and care or appreciation for another person. Mm-hmm. So there's a quiz you can take, uh, listeners, to find out your love languages. Um, most people appreciate a little something from all five categories, but we tend to have one or two that we gravitate towards the most. So a quiz will be a great way to discover that about yourself. So you can find that online and have your partner take it too. And that helps clarify how you can help make your partner feel more loved and how they can do the same for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the idea of um, there's a metaphor that the author makes in the book about your love tank. So if you imagine that we have a metaphorical internal fuel tank, basically, and when it's running low, we're feeling ragged, we're feeling disconnected, we're feeling lonely, whatever it is, we want from our partner for them to put a little love in the love tank. And once they know the form of love that you want, then they can more effectively fill up your love tank. Um, I imagined a twist on this metaphor after reading the book. I was like, what if we all have like five love tanks in us, one for each category? Mm, Um, Because sometimes I'm not in the mood for words of affirmation. They're nice, but like, let's say that love tank is pretty full, but I haven't been touched in a while. I want some good good quality cuddles. (laughs) (laughs) I want to be pet, damn it. Yeah, that's right. (laughs) High quality cuddles. And um, communicating that to your partner helps them really hone in on which tank of yours is low. Mm -hmm. Like maybe you spent quality time together all day, but it was like out on the town. And so you didn't have a lot of physical affection. At the end of the day, um, you're like, you know, I'm just feeling like cuddles right now. Or like, man, I haven't kissed you all day, but we've been like walking all over town. Um, So kind of being aware that there might be some differences in what you need in any given moment is a great way to help you communicate those needs. Yeah. Yeah. I can relate to that last example. Yeah. Like there's times where so busy and just like, oh, this feels like the first time we've like cuddled all day. Right? What the hell's going on? Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, this author, I think, comes from a Christian perspective, just to be aware of that. It's not excessive, in my opinion, and I don't think it would turn off any non-Christians, um, but that's definitely the lens through which he's analyzing the world. Um, the other lens is heteronormativity. He's definitely looking at um, heterosexual couples f- for this book, for the most part. But anyone can apply it to their lives. Like The concept that underlies all this is applicable to everybody Um, one thing that did bother me in this book was, I think there's just a couple sentences in the middle of it where he comes right out and denounces non-monogamy. Um, it sounds like he's got some internal bias about this. It's his comments were invalidating saying that, you know, people who are non-monogamous, um, aren't truly focused on their partner. It's not real love. You're trying to fix, you know, something by running away from it. Um, it was just like some disparaging comments mm. where I was like, whoa, dude, you know, like not only does this not have anything to do with the five love languages, <laughs> like why is this in this book? But also uh, invalidates a good percentage of people who might be reading it. Right. So go ahead and ignore that. If that doesn't feel right to you, um, I think we should live and let live and acknowledge that many different formats of relationships are perfectly healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, just take... I think the essence of these the love languages is more the the crucial part here. Yes. There can be interesting dynamic shifts with how you deal with partners who are on opposite sides of the spectrum. Oh yeah. Um I have I've dated people where I've I enjoy lots of physical touch and mm. affection and 
that's what I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And they're like giving gifts or like acts of service. And it's like, those things are full. Like, right. like, like you were saying, <laughs> the examples. And I, I realized as we're cuddling, they're not as engaged with it. And I'm mm-hmm. like, like oh. I, I think I'm getting like, and I, I, I actually just pause. I'm like, hey, do you know what your love languages are? Right? Oh my God. <laughs> and I asked them because I, and I realized, oh, we're like on, on different sides of the spectrum on it. Wow. And that, it does, at least in my experience, it does add some challenges. Sure. You know, it's nice to be on the same page with the love languages because then you can, you can give and receive um, or just have a way to compliment each other mm-hmm. whenever those needs are not getting met or just ask for it and then they, you can receive it in the best way possible mm-hmm. rather than like you, sh- you ask for a thing and they're like, I don't really do that. And that's the thing you really want. And it's like they'll do their best effort, but mm-hmm. their best effort's like, not that great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, knowing this stuff has really made me more conscientious and not take as personally when my partner doesn't want to reciprocate the type of love language I'm in the mood for. For example, if I'm feeling very physically affectionate and I'm just like touching, 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 cuddling, tickling, <laughs> scratching their scalp, whatever, uh, and I realize my partner's not reciprocating any of it and maybe looks a little uncomfortable after a few minutes, I'm like, oh man they're not in the mood to do this love language, even though that's what I want to give and receive in this moment. It's reminded me like, okay, rewind a second, be compassionate and maybe ask like, Hey, what are you in the mood for right now? Or like, is this too much stimulation? Or am I like going overboard for your body right now? And if they're like, yeah, uh, I'm just, you know, anxious about what I have to do today. And I just don't feel connected with cuddling. Then it's a reminder for me to be like, okay, like how else can I show my love? Cause it's not a rejection of me in that moment if I look at it through a different lens, like, oh, maybe I'll bring him lunch while he's working or like make sure he's hydrated today or like other little things as I know acts of service is his thing. So if you can like jump tracks basically onto a different love language, Mm -hmm. you can still have connection. Connection doesn't have to just stop happening because your specific love language in that moment isn't what's on the menu, right? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. it's a la carte. And I, you know, when I think of your example, like the five tanks, and in my experience, it's like, yeah, I think that there are maybe even different, like you said, different times mm. that we want certain things. And it's like, oh, that, that totally makes sense. So true. Because there's times where physical affection isn't working for them. And this is just like with the um, requests and demands. Oh, yeah. Conversation is like, this is all. it back in. Yeah. Circling back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, we want to make sure that we're asking people to make sure we get their experience. Right. Because it's easy to assume it's us. Mm-hmm. Or that we're doing something wrong, or and we could be, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but it's also good to know whether we are or aren't, especially if we're getting if uh, you relate to being very anxious and you're like, is it me? Am I doing something wrong? Mm. Am I whatever? Like, if that if you're finding yourself in that self um, talk or you're finding yourself in your head and not really present, I know that asking for me helps get out of that. Say, hey, um, I know you usually like this, but this is not what you're you're not seeming to receive mm. it well. Is, what do you need right now? Is there anything that I'm doing that you're not feeling comfortable with? And so it's like, there's nothing about you. This is where I'm at. And so then it's like, cool, out of my head, I can be present to like what their need is and then meet them there. Or if mm-hmm. I can't give that, um, there's times where I've been asked, and believe it or not, I've turned down cleaning dishes. Mm-hmm. And that's, <laughs> and if you know me, this is actually really fucking hard. <laughs> so, uh, but that's like, uh, yeah, I'm just tired. I don't have the energy to, or I'm just, emotionally drained or whatever the case is mm-hmm. and there are times where i don't want to give that and i just want to receive or something so true so just be present to that and it's like with everything that we've been going over in the podcast like communication and really understanding where your your partner's coming from will make a huge contribution to you two being connected and not operating on two different like levels mm-hmm. so. right And I think we all want our gift of love to be received. And it's easy to feel rejected and hurt when it's not being received. Like, I want to touch you because I want to deliver you this gift. This is my love. But then when you understand there are different love languages and maybe your partner needs a different one in that moment, you can realize like, oh, I can still give my gift. It just needs to be delivered in a different vehicle. Yeah. Different type of way to deliver that same feeling of love and appreciation and connection Um, so it's actually a great thing to realize that we can pick all these different methods. We're not just confined to the one we initially thought of in the moment. Yeah. So if you're stuck, ask them, 
Ask them yeah, what they want. Totally. Yeah. There's so many options. So go take the quiz, find out what your love languages are, and then make everyone else you know take the quiz. Yeah, too. make sure. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stop talking about it to them until they take the quiz. Yeah. It's so Ask useful. the partners. Put it on your Tinder profile. Yeah. We're going to suggest everything. Put it on your Tinder profile. You're going to be that really woke uh, Tinder. You'll date. look so enlightened. Right. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. To submit your question, go to our website, headoverfeelspod.com. Also, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at headoverfeelspod. Please subscribe, give us a five-star rating, and review in your podcast app of choice. See you next week.